Welcome to K-Drama School. I'm your host, Grace Jung, and class is now in session. Chicago for a few days and man that city first of all what a beautiful city I mean I've been to Chicago twice before but I didn't really spend that much time there not as much as I did this time around uh, I also love the crowds there people there are super sweet the crowds were just so into comedy they were so glad to have comedians perform and I just felt it and it was awesome I got to perform at the Lincoln Lodge, which is this amazing theater for a comedy. I was at the Laugh Factory, excellent, excellent theater, amazing crowd. I was at the Comedy Bar, amazing crowd. And yeah, I just, I had an amazing time. I I have nothing bad to say about Chicago, not one thing. I do want to make one quick show date announcement. I will be at the Glendale Room on April 6th. That's a Wednesday. I'll be there at 7.30 p.m. Please come and see that show. The show I'm going to talk about today is 39. It is a Netflix miniseries starring Son Yejin, Jeon Mido, and Kim Ji-hyun. We all know Son Yejin from Crash Landing on You, Something in the Rain. She's also Hyun Bin's girlfriend. I mean, they're still dating, right? I mean, I, I didn't see any bad news yet, so I assume they're still dating. Uh, we know Jeon Mido from Hospital Playlist. And Jeon Mido is getting more and more film and TV roles lately, which I think is great, but she's had a long career in musical theater. And this also applies in uh, Kim ji case as well. Kim ji is also somebody that I haven't seen very often, um, her face is not at all familiar, but she's done some screen roles here and there, but she's mostly known for uh, being a musical theater actress. This show's very intense from the get-go, right? Because we know what the ending is going to be. We start out with a funeral, and we know that Chanyang is the one that's going to die. And there are many layers of drama to this particular show. Not only is Chanyang dying, but she's also in love with a married man. And that married man is married to a woman who lied to him about her pregnancy, saying that that was his child when it was not. And she did this in order to marry him, in order to trap him in a relationship. Uh, we have the character Mijo, played by Son Yejin. And Mijo is an adoptee. And she is dating a man who has a younger sister who is an adoptee, but she is also forced out of their family and home after the death of their mother because their father is, uh, he's a pig, he's a jerk. What can we say? He's, he's a monster. I mean, what kind of uh, adoptive father disowns his own child, right? I thought it was a, really intense uh, storyline 
And a show like this, where there's this constant drama, layer of drama after drama, it it's to an extent exhausting. I was a bit exhausted watching this drama. There are only 12 episodes, and I feel like 12 is more than enough. I mean, this could have ended at 6, in my personal opinion. Because it's the kind of show that's designed to make you weep. It's a tearjerker drama. It is very intentionally dramatic in a way that's supposed to make you sob. It reminds me a lot of that show Chocolate, which I talked about. I didn't go into depth, but I would just mention it here and there, that show Chocolate. It's on Netflix, and it's a similar show because it's set in, it's set in a hospice, and at a hospice, you're going to have people dying all the time. So again, you're going to be crying in every single episode, right? So I feel like a show like this is just designed to make you cry. I mean, I've I, I've seen Sun Yijin cry before in other shows, but this one, they really just wring her dry, I feel like. I mean, she's just crying way too much. Uh, I found the show's exploration of adoption quite interesting. I think that um, having an adoptive woman mentoring a younger adoptee is very, very uh, interesting. I think it was actually quite nice to see on a TV show. I don't like how sad the show is. It's way too bleak for me at this point in my life. I'm looking for more uplift. I don't know why so many of these shows are killing off 30-something-year-old women's best friends. Right? This is like the second one that's doing this. I already talked about it and now we are breaking up, but that one also has a death of a 30-something-year-old friend. It's just weird. It's weird. Why? What? What's with this? Today's guest is Niraj Srinivasan. He is an LA comedian who tours all over the Northwest Coast. He's just lived all over the Northwest Coast. He's lived in Boise, Idaho. He's lived in Portland, Oregon. He now lives in Los Angeles, but he's a funny guy, funny dude, very nice dude. In any case, he and I have a really nice chat, so let's talk to Niraj. Wow. (laughs) Really doing it all, yeah. Gonna eat. We're gonna record a podcast and he's gonna eat food. He's gonna crunch. Already, already the, recording. He's gonna crunch into the microphone and he's gonna eat food. Um, really, just really top notch, grade A stuff. Um, he's really, he's really doing it all. No, no, please, by all means, eat your, eat your. Breakfast. They're just gonna hear me sucking on candy. This is my breakfast. That's the messed up part. Is I haven't eaten anything. There's just candy nearby. You're eating like, candy, just... and he's eating candy for breakfast. Um, really. Like the breakfast of champions, you know? I mean, that's what Olympians eat <laughs> before they go out and, uh, you know, compete for the gold medal. Um, what kind of candy is it? What What is it? It's uh, sweet tarts, fruit chews. Mini chewies. <laughs> sweet tarts for breakfast. Oh, my God. Okay, oh so I'm, tra- I'm traveling right now, so all rules are, you know, I've not been taking very good care of myself. Oh, my God. <laughs> Are you in Seattle? I saw that you have like a showing at the Kamano Islands. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm, we'll go, I'm in Portland right now. Um, I'm leaving shortly. And then, yeah, I have a show near just uh, north of Seattle tonight. Oh, wow. Okay. Wow. So busy, busy day. You have to mm-hmm. drive all the way up there from Portland too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've made the drive before. Um, I mean, because I, I was based out of Portland for a long time. So 
That's right. You know, go run, do runs up there all the time. And um, I've gotten used yeah. to doing it. I've, I've, I've grown fond of it, you can say. Yeah. So you're not living in LA anymore or what's going on? I am just visiting, just doing a run oh, okay. in the Pacific, Pacific Northwest. Yeah. You seem to go up there often. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, you go where people give you stage time and know that you're not a leper, you know, so it's nice. <laughs> That's true. That's true. Yeah, like it seems like you've lived sort of everywhere. Like Portland, you've lived in Idaho, you've lived Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, the growing white, up whitest you know, places. The whitest but yeah, no. My family did do like a whitest towns in America tour when we like moved here just cuz my dad would get a new job like every year. So every year we were in a new town. We were yeah. in Wisconsin for a while. We were in Waukesha, Wisconsin. We were in like upstate New York. And like New Jersey, but like two different towns in New Jersey, you know. Where and, in New Jersey? Um, first first year I think was in Sayreville, New Jersey, and then uh, we left and then came back, and we came back to Bud Lake, New Jersey. No idea. What I don't know if you know those places. Yeah, they're pretty. They're, they're pretty white places. <laughs> oh my gosh! Wait, what did your father do? Um, he was in tech. He still is. I don't know why I said it like he's dead. Mm -hmm. He's around. <laughs> he's still doing it uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. um i can't i couldn't really tell you more than that but he just he he helps big companies with uh whatever they need doing so tech <laughs> in, service. In, te in tech yeah mm, i'm i'm not in tech companies. Mm. <laughs> no no you're a comedian you're a comedian who uh eats sweet tarts for breakfast um, yes, I'm the furthest thing a person can be from being in tech. It's like very, like obviously not in tech. <laughs> just just actually, live this way. I heard that people in tech eat a whole lot of candy. Really interesting. Yeah, yeah, that's like their like vice. Like when they're working and they're coding all day, like they need sugar. They'll eat a shit ton of candy. That's what I hear. Yeah. That's a different sort. That's a, that sort of person is built different. That's a person that can just sit at a desk and just like zero in on one task yeah. for like 12 hours like you know when they're like you know headphoned mm -hmm. on like those guys are next level yeah i don't get it like i don't have the patience when when i was asked to do like some research for somebody like i had to i had like youtube videos going i mm -hmm. had like a whole meal with me <laughs> there was no way i could do it without like other things happening that were bent, like helping me find some pleasure in it. Yeah. I think that's kind of also like, I think that's something a lot of people are facing because it's a natural folly of working from home. Like you're just, you're too comfortable. Like you're supposed to be, when you're at work, you're a little, everyone's a little bit uncomfortable, you know, like even if mm -hmm. it's your company or whatever, like you're, everyone's like on a little bit more, you know what I mean? But when you're home, like you're just, you're, your chill is turned up too much. And I think that's, yeah. that starts yeah. to affect you in a, in a different sort of way. Yeah, that's true. I think that's the perhaps the one benefit of an office is that like, you know, you're under this scrutiny. And so you are in a work mode. Whereas mm -hmm. like, if you're not under that scrutiny, you're not in work mode. But I also know like of cases where people will rent out their own office space if they're like independent, you know, freelancers and shit, you know, like, uh, I mean, this is, of course, it applies only to, like, certain people, but I was, like, looking at Lena Dunham's Instagram, and when mm -hmm. she was, like, 23 and working on her first feature, Tiny Furniture, she rented out her own office space, 
and she was like working out of an office space for her film production and pre-production and I was like oh like yeah you know some people take measures to do that because like when I'm at home I can't work there's no way I have to step out I don't know if that's the same for you but uh no I've I've learned to do like I just kind of cultivate like a couple of habits and then it helps me focus a little bit like I'll put on um the campfire sounds and nature sounds in my room uh um because I've found that it just sort of like you know kind of drowns out like the sounds of traffic and like the city a little bit and Uh that for some reason like relaxes me enough that you know I don't feel as like on edge while I'm working because that's I feel like that's what causes the distraction is that you know I'm just sitting like alone and I'm just doing stuff and I'm just doing stuff and you just feel like the strange pressure and it's not I don't know I don't really know if I have the word for it but it's just this this weird discomfort Mm -hmm. but if I can kind of like make it extra comfortable in other ways then at that point I'm like okay and then it doesn't feel so tedious you know it doesn't feel like this grind mm-hmm. and okay. you know like I'm seeking pleasure in it you know what I mean mm-hmm. and at that point it becomes like something that's so, like I, I just, by its very virtue and nature I enjoy it mm. so similar to like me turning on YouTube videos and having a whole meal and something like that but you, you seem to just, like zone in and make it yeah. more like a comfortable environment for yourself Right, right, right. Because especially, I mean, I live in West Hollywood. So I walk out the door and it's just like people and noise and traffic. And, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I mean, it's not quite that bad. Like I I live on a a relatively quiet block, but like around the corner, it's Santa Monica Boulevard. So, you know, there's just a lot going on, but it's busy. uh, Just make like, you know, if I can make my my bedroom slash office a uh, a little, little, Mm clubhouse field and uh, mm-hmm. at that point it doesn't really feel like work you know it's just something that sure. like I can escape to sure. a little bit more if that yeah. makes sense yeah, yeah yeah so during those times like what are you working on you're working on like a script or no uh so I do I do have like a day job I work uh as an animator for a corporation so oh, I, wow. I mean I'm making animations all day that's like amazing explainer, explainer videos and stuff yeah yeah so that's what you studied you studied art no, no, I studied uh, broadcasting. I, I worked in news for a while. Uh, like when I was in college, like I worked in sports. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's I've done a couple of different things. Like I worked for this like internet news company. Like that was the last news job I had. Yeah. And then like I sold advertising for a while. Like I did like a, a weird gaggle of things before I, I found this job. Oh, wow. Okay. So, but like animation isn't, it doesn't seem like, well, I know that like, you know, like, like Milan is like, right self-taught in animation is that like what you were doing did you just self-taught yeah pretty much um you know there's definitely like I uh the people I work with are definitely like really bright people and they've been showing me a lot of stuff too so like you know I'm I'm learning a lot just like having this job because like before this like I wasn't really working as an animator but I did have to do a couple of animations here and there and I basically like used those samples to be like Look, I know how to do something, and that's mm. yeah. I basically that's just YouTube University, you know. Mm. But it was like the most like like bare minimum like knowledge, and then they were like, okay, this is you know, this isn't bad, but there's a lot more that we could show you. And I probably yeah, like I've I've definitely I think like now I consider myself a competent animator, but before that it was definitely just kind of cobbling together just little little tricks here and there. Mm-hmm. That's amazing though. 
I love that. I love that, uh, you know, you, you found a job at a place where they're like willing to like work with you and work with what you have and, you know, yeah. give you room to grow. And that's awesome. And it's like a comedy positive job. Like they know about it and they're like chill about it. And yeah. it's remote, you know, it, it basically yeah. get to make my own hours. Like it's a pretty like, you know, it allows me to get up, I think, more than I might with like a regular job where I have to like go into an office. So there are yeah. there are perks. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's an ideal situation. It sounds like sure, that's amazing. Sure, sure. Oh wow. Okay. No, I I love that because like in a, animation is like for comedy, like animation and comedy like go so hand in hand, and it's such a great skill and asset to have. Mm -hmm. Um, like you know, obviously like growing up, like some of my favorite shows are always like animations and cartoons, you know, and like yeah, but it's just like for some reason when it comes to animation it just seems intimidating it's like oh this is like a skill set i need to develop like this is something i need to learn from scratch like how did you even like muster the courage to or even manage to like start it like what was like the first step that you took into that um you know i i needed to i i honestly think like it was just kind of really small projects early on, like, you know, making lower thirds for like uh, a news story. You know, I wanted to think okay. of like maybe a cooler way to like bring those in uh, okay. and like do different stuff with them. And then mm. it went to like, and honestly, like making promos for shows I was producing. Mm. You know, I thought that if it was like a cool, like animated video, then, you know, that would probably perform better, you know, on social media and stuff and like help mm -hmm. people kind of engage with it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. So I started making like, uh, you know, I ran this weekly show and I lived in Portland and I started making these little lyric videos with like the audio from the headliner for that week. And yeah. uh, just like learning how to do that was like a big ramp up because like I didn't know that much before <laughs> that at the time. But, yeah. uh, you know, I just like started like I was like, OK, I need to make these things. How do I figure out how to do it? And uh -huh. just tried to make the projects like more and more complicated uh, and then eventually, yeah, just like started seeking opportunities, I guess, to where people just kind of needed problem solved. So like uh -huh. I worked at a company where like they had hired me to like upgrade their conference rooms because mm. uh, all the equipment in there was really old. And that was like the initial job. But mm. uh, in addition to that, like they wanted me to like make guides for how people use like certain equipment because it was like the first like month of the pandemic and people were like getting webcams and being like i don't know what the f you know like i don't mm. they didn't know what to do with it okay um so i started making like animated videos that are just like tutorials on how to use those so mm. in doing that like i learned a lot so yeah, yeah. you just start doing stuff you just like you're like okay i want to make this you know very small thing and then figure out how and then try to make something a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger than that and then and eventually then right in yeah and then you're in it mm. What's the program that you use for animation? Uh, I use After Effects, but mm. uh, I know I know there's a lot of you know there's a lot of different ways you can go. This is just like so, you know what I learned. So you just like illustrate it by hand, and then you just like apply it in the thing, like. Uh yeah, I mean I like you can make something like a you know, like a shape or like a person or whatever with your mouse, you know, on Illustrator, and then it's cool because it lets like each like you can make their head you know like a layer, and then like their face a layer, and it, like helps you like kind of separate those out individually mm -hmm. and then you're able to move them around in after effects i see so you, you use illustrator and after effects that's amazing i'm so like impressed by that 
I guess that's sort of how everybody gets into anything though, right? It's just like, it seems like daunting to me because it's so foreign from like what I typically do, but like that's mm. basically how anybody gets into anything really, right? Like comedy or like, you know. Yeah, you have to embrace, I think, the the spirit of like trial and error and like know that you're going to suck at this for a long time and it's not going to feel good to be bad at something. But, you know, it's inevitable that if you're like applying yourself and you're making an effort that you're going to improve, like you can take anything, anything in the world. It's I'm not saying that you'll be the best, but if you try a little bit, you know, like you're going to get better, but you got to want to do that first thing, which is embrace the shittiness, you know, Mm -hmm. and if you're if that is a if that is a comfortable sacrifice, then I think, I mean, anybody's capable of getting anywhere. Mm, That's good advice. I remember reading like uh, something that they were like, oh, don't ever judge your work when it's in progress. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's hard not to, I think, because you feel this, uh, I think, especially with comedy, like after like killing your first time, like after you're like really, like the first time you have like a really good set, you're like, man, like I was so deliberate and, you know, I got the the ideal responses from the audience. Like you just start to think of yourself in a certain way and you you think of yourself as a very capable person, but then, you know, like, of course it's early in the game. Like if you're six months in, like you're probably not as strong as, you know, like I'm not saying everybody, but like a lot of people, like it takes a little longer than that to like become proficient, you know? Yeah. And at that point, I think like each failure lands so much harder because hmm. you're that that like self validation is like constantly being tested. Like mm-hmm. it's you're you're always kind of like you're not thinking of yourself as somebody that can have a good night or a bad night. It's like I am a funny person or I'm not a funny person. Like the stakes mm-hmm. are so much higher, mm-hmm. and I think I think it's really easy to like get discouraged, like especially early in the game. But I think I think if you accept that, you know, there's you're always going to be like finding places where you feel imperfect, and um, you have to make room for that. And again, like be comfortable with it. Then uh, you're more open to growth mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah i think for comedians that that is uh, particularly hard because uh mm-hmm. the feedback is like right there and um even that it's like who knows if that is the actual like accurate feedback you know it's just there's so many variables that come into play and it's like mm-hmm. how do you know but but that 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 sound is basically like how you're gonna be ranking yourself that evening and right um, right it's just really it's tough to get out of the mindset of like oh like did I suck or was I good yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and it's so personal because it's not like you know a lot of I think other creative work even acting is you know you're you're sort of there's a there's a there's a removal of the self right like you're stepping mm-hmm. outside of whatever the body of work is in order to exist as an individual mm-hmm. and like you're kind of working at it from the third person but with comedy it's like it's it's so it's just it's just you and it's just you talking and if it's not good then that means you're not good like it just it just it doesn't feel like it's i think i don't know maybe it's not true for everybody but it's hard for me to like disassociate from my jokes that much like how Mm. you know if a band writes 10 songs and like a couple of the songs didn't really get 
great responses, you know, they're not going to be like, you know, like those pieces of my identity are Hmm. like incredibly repulsive to people (laughs) and then like Mm -hmm. take that home with you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the, I think the most punishing thing about failing a comedy is like, if you're bad, it's like, oh no, we like didn't like that the person you are felt this way about this thing and had mm-hmm. these things to say and mm-hmm. you thought that that would be fun. Like that's a, mm-hmm. I don't know, that's a really like, that's a punishing feeling. <laughs> it can I be. Think, I think that is a horrible feeling. Mm-hmm. That's a horrible feeling if, you know, if one decides that that is how it is, but like, right. um, like, I don't know, I was listening to like Javier Bardem talk about this, like his, mm-hmm. he comes from like a family of actors Mm-hmm. and uh like or was it javier no no sorry it was uh mira servino actually mira so mira servino's father you know mm-hmm. is also like a huge actor and he, when she said that she wanted to become an actress he was just like oh, i don't know if that's good for you because like i know what it's like to be an actor you know it's like they're judging me mm-hmm. you know? it's and if they don't if they don't book me then they're rejecting me and i don't mm-hmm. know if i want my daughter to go through that and uh i was like but that's not true like they're judging (laughs) the acting they're not judging mira sorvino the woman the person yeah and then i'm like well then it's like the and i've heard people say this about comedy too like i heard uh, there's another comic i i knew years ago she was like if you bomb on stage then they're rejecting you and Mm -hmm. i was like but they don't know you like they know you yeah. in, in that five, 10, 15, 20, 45 minutes. Okay, 45 minutes is a long time, but like they're knowing you for a very short period of time on stage. They don't know you really. They know a certain mediated, formulated, mm. set up part of you that mm-hmm. you are, are are pre-producing for them to experience. And therefore right. it's not it's not me personally although it comes from my personal experiences mm-hmm. so i think there is a space to make that distinction and and you know i don't really it feels personal i think it does mm-hmm. feel personal yeah but i don't yeah. think i don't think it is personal because ultimately it's like this is something i wrote in my notebooks and i've tried out at a, like at dozens hundreds of other places and what I felt like works and then it's not working here tonight. Like, I, I think, I think, uh, you know, when we feel that shittiness after coming off like a shitty set, yeah, maybe, perhaps this is the saving grace that we could turn to and be like, yeah, that's actually not a personal rejection because they don't know me, you know? Well, you don't, you don't think like, uh, people make, moral like character judgments about you based on your material you know like because you know sometimes i'm guilty of doing it like because especially like i hang out at open mics so obviously i see Mm -hmm. like a lot of a lot of garbage you know and it's hard for me not like if someone comes up and like you know says some off-color shit Uh and you know like it's uh, it's it's under the 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 premise of like don't take this seriously but at the same time it's hard not to be like "Mm, all right you had that's those are the words you had to use huh okay cool like right right it's I, I do understand what you're saying in that you're giving them a very narrow uh 
narrow window into your your perspective and your life and it's not yeah i wouldn't say that it's an adequate amount of data for them to make like a sound judgment but i do think that people make judgments in a way that you know no one would think you're a bad person if they didn't like the song your band played you know they just Uh think that you're a bad band you know what i mean you wouldn't you wouldn't think like oh that guy is a racist or like that guy is Uh a whatever i don't know you know what i'm trying to say like it's just a little more tied to your to your reality and your your sense of self right i think i do understand what you're saying i guess i don't take it personally and i don't mm-hmm. really uh that's, and i think that's I, a healthy attitude that's the thing like i you know i think it, it depends right like um i don't know like it happens a lot like i have uh, friends i have friends who like say like off-color quote unquote what i mean off color is also subjective um and it's right. relative like they'll say like things that might push like that might nudge me a little bit in mm-hmm. the direction of like oh that's annoying mm-hmm. but i'm not gonna take that as like well she's a full-blown racist now like fuck that shit like i'm no. not gonna write her off like that and uh i also noticed that like if I'm in that mode of being like super hyper critical and judgmental of others, like quick to judge yeah. or pounce on it, I'm usually in a bad place with my own personal like self projections. Like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm holding myself to like to such high standards that like I can't forgive myself for something, you know. So it's really like whatever goes internal goes external too is something I've just come to learn. So yeah, nowadays I'm just kind of like a little more chill about it. Uh, I will I will clap back though. Like um, I think that's sort of the the leeway that we have as comics. Like for instance, I was at the bomb shelter. I I was um, oh, about to go wonderful. up on. Yeah, I was about to go up on stage. <laughs> there was a kid, very, very green, very mm-hmm. green. Mm-hmm. And he was like, it's an, it's like you're supposed to do 10 minutes there. And he's like yeah. totally unprepared, right? A white boy, <laughs> a white boy, okay? Totally unprepared. <laughs> going on and on about nonsense. Sounds like a fucking idiot. Yeah. And then I'm sitting there and it, we're in the dark. And yeah. he goes, oh, you're sleeping during my set? That's good. I wasn't sleeping. Uh, My eyes were fully open, right? Jeez. And then uh, I I get to go up after him now. Right after he comes off stage, I'm the next person up. You think I'm going to let that shit slide? Oh, (laughs) my God. Right? Do you know you were a comic? Could he tell that you were going up next? We were all or... comics. Everybody's a comic in there. That's the right, mistake right. that he made as a green yeah. comic is to go after a comic in the Somebody room. Real. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go up and tear him up, which is what I did, right? Yeah. But I still I still have a lot of you know and I, I i was like oh like uh it's not called sleeping it's called you know like i was not sleeping it's called being asian okay like um you know maybe you know like so i'm just like tearing i'm just tearing it up i'm tearing him up yeah you know and you know i even go so far as to say you know what i don't think you're gonna make it i don't think you should uh, do comedy anymore. i think you should quit right now uh, what you did it was terrible like it really really like yeah, really yeah, dug in it. really yeah. really laid in um but it's like because I got to do that, because I got to sort of like mm-hmm. vent and let it out, like now all I have is love for him, you know, because it's like, you know, all of us are potentially capable of making like some mistake, you know, and it's like, 
I fucking got to say my piece. So like, I don't have any like resentment against that. You know, it's like, it's fine. It's cool. Um, I think he'll, he'll thank you that. Thank you for that years from now. You know what I'm saying? Like if he sticks to it, like that'll, that'll be, that's like a core memory in comedy now. You know, everybody yeah. makes like, just has such harsh experiences that shape our best work. And yeah. it's, yeah. The, it, it, it's, there's something again, like very unforgiving about it, but like, yeah. It's still the most uniquely satisfying experience I've ever had. Yeah, yeah, No, you got to be ruthless. Like, when I'm on stage, I'm mm-hmm. ruthless. Like, one time a yeah. guy, like, um, like you know, I go to the Liquid Zoo often, and I get mm-hmm. there at 7 so I could sign up first because I want to mm-hmm. just do my set and leave. But then mm-hmm. the show starts at 9. So I get there two hours early. I sign up, and I leave, and then I come back two hours later. But some white guy cut me, and he went up first, right? So... Mm-hmm. After he gets off stage, what am I going to do? I'm just going to talk shit about how he, you know, like for my like God. my first like, this is like, 30, this is like pettiness diaries. I love 30, it. Yeah. Like <laughs> 30 seconds to 45 seconds of my set is just going to be me laying into that, just tearing yeah, him up. Yeah. But it's funny. Everybody's laughing. You know, I'm not doing it to the point where everybody's like, oh my gosh, she's scary. Like, no, like it's like for the fun of it. Like I am making fun of yeah. you because you did do something wrong and I'm going to spank you into place. Like now's the time. Um, but it's got to come think from that, a place like, of love, you know? Right, right. I think that's that's the distinction when because I've I've seen like women do that, and it I feel like it generally goes better than when dudes try to like clap. You know what I'm saying? Like because they're just they're, it doesn't feel as hostile to the audience because it it does seem like it comes from a place of caring. But like I've you know made foolhardy attempts to do like similar stuff, and it's just mm-hmm. like. I need to, I need to turn my chill up. That's, that's the thing. It's like the more, like the less worked up I am about it, then yeah. people are on board. At least, especially like those first couple of minutes, like it's like, Hey, we're still having fun. Right. I'm not angry. Everybody. <laughs> like I still need to like, you know, I, whatever yeah. is frustrating me. Like I can't necessarily show it. Cause then pe- people will be like, all right, bro. Like, you know, I, I don't know if that's necessarily, line. I think it's a, you have to, you have to walk it carefully, but like, I think women, I, in general have more of a latitude from like an average audience to sort of go a little little more ham just because it, it does feel like not as not as aggressive for some reason you know maybe maybe i mean yes and no yes and no like i, I think there's some truth to that in the sense that like you know and there is the old adage like when a woman like yells at somebody like that person's mm-hmm. not gonna end up dying whereas if a man is yelling at somebody that person right. might end up dying later <laughs> like, i think how that's does the why, story end yeah. <laughs> yeah 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 like uh that's why like like uh when people raise their voice it's like who's raising it and it is gendered a bit but like mm-hmm. um yeah like holding a calm center does make people feel like there is control in the room you know but there have been times when like people would get scared of me too you know and i'm like oh like i went over the i went over that boundary it's a really fine line like uh tom segura talks about it a lot like because you know he's got like like a sort of an insane ragey side to him and Mm -hmm. there have been times where he would like yell at audiences for talking or heckling or da 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 and then it's like you lose them after that right and then you yeah. have to like like kind of lecture them and, and he would talk about those moments <laughs> those are learning moments where he learned yeah. like okay like i have this rage like how do i navigate it how do i use it to my advantage you know mm-hmm. and um yeah i think you're right like holding sort of a neutral tone does help right yeah yeah, especially right, right. Man, the, yeah. But, but for anybody, if you can mitigate women, tension, 
that's that's the goal is to is to win over i think like it, and it took me a long time to figure it out but like if you can if you can do it with finesse that means you've won over the crowd uh it you know in spite of the heckler or whoever's because there's it's not there's it, people are never interrupting you in unison you know there's mm-hmm. usually like if it's an orderly if it's a generally orderly room there's usually like a, a couple of outliers and i found that yeah the idea is to, to keep it festive and at the same time like just sort of shift the, the power dynamics in the room a little bit if you can do that adequately that's then you can keep the keep the show rolling like people will come with you after that and there you can't be too mean to yeah there are ways yeah, to do it i've definitely seen dudes get up and just like ruin the show like because then the crowd is like okay what well, you mean you called my wife this like you know what i mean and then people are just <laughs> mad like <laughs> Come on, man. Like, I can't have fun anymore. You just ruined our night. Like, oh, God. It still, it still makes me laugh real hard, though. I'm just like, yeah, fucking let's sink this boat. Yeah, burn it. You know, um, I once, yeah, I was at yeah. a show like years ago. Kevin Kamiya was headlining, and mm-hmm. yeah, he's like an amazing comic and he's such a nice person. Yeah. And there was a guy super drunk, like obliterated, right. obliterated. He yeah. would not, he would not stop. Like he would stand up and start like talking. Like he kept doing it all night. Right. I mean, people Kevin think they're Kamiya, in the show. <laughs> like all, all night, all night, like terrorizing all the comics. And then Kevin Kamiya's yeah, yeah. and then he's just like, he just turns the whole crowd against him mm-hmm. and everybody's satisfied because everybody was having an uncomfortable time because of this piece of shit, you know? Yeah. And, and all the comics up until now were being too nice to him. Yeah, they were being right. really, really nice. They were trying their best to tolerate him, to still be like, okay, he's still part of the table. Like, let's not, you know, bully him. They yeah. were all being like that. And then Kevin Kimmy is like, no, it's like it's been like two hours. Enough, you're out. Yeah. yeah. And then, and then finally, like after everybody like cheered and clapped and said like, you suck. Like f- that is when a fucking security person came and took them away. You know. Oh, and also, ultimately, that is part of the house manager's role too like they should pay attention right. to that shit too but it was just like yeah like someone's I mean, been overserved. like why am i having to field your yeah. negligence because you, yeah, yeah, you yeah. got this person liquored up you know what i'm saying yeah, like yeah, yeah. yeah yeah it's any venue like it's you're responsible for who you allow in you know it's not my job the person who's here just to shout into the mic that's that's the reason i'm here i do the mic shouting i'm, do, I'm there to do one job i'm not yeah, there to yeah. you know bounce people <laughs> That's why I'm never, I never like it because some comics and, and they're, they're funny people and they're sweet people, but they'll like try to make friends with the heckler. You know what I mean? It's like, it's, it's like yeah. the Winston Churchill quote. It's like, you can't negotiate with a tiger when your head's in its mouth. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's like jail. Like you have yeah, to, yeah, you're, yeah. you're being tested and you got to shut it down early or yeah, they just, it just gets larger it's just it becomes too much to handle yeah and how, I, do I feel handle, bad how do you handle hecklers like what was like one of the worst hecklers <laughs> you handle? some sometimes uh i handle them well i'd say about 30 percent of the, the time, time it, talk about the times yeah. you handled it well yeah um the one time i there was just yeah again drunk guy uh he was sitting in the front and i like made some joke and uh he was just like well, like and he was kind of muttering like before the, like during the comic before me but I could hear, and like he was getting a little bit louder, uh, like during my set, because I'm loud. And it, he, he was just like, I, I made some joke, and he had muttered early in my set, and I didn't say anything. And I made some joke, and he was just like, and it just cuts through the silence. He was like, 
well, I didn't like that one. And then, so I just snapped right to him. Like I, I was kind of ignoring him the whole time. And I snapped right to him. I was like, well, everybody else liked it. So you can fuck off. And just <laughs> like yeah, at yeah. that point, just, yeah. you know, it was just an onslaught after that, yeah, you know, yeah, and, yeah, he, yeah. and then he was quiet for the rest of the show. I've right. walked tables to a round of applause yeah. because I just like, you know, I just sort of target and, I, I try to like keep a smile on my face, but I'm definitely like yeah. aiming to like embarrass, you know what I mean? And it's it's one of those things where like, I'll even give a couple of warnings. Like if someone pipes up, like I'll, yeah. I'll snap back a couple of times, like really quickly, just to be like, okay, like yeah, yeah, yeah. stop, you know? Uh-huh, but uh-huh, uh-huh. I mean, I've done show that there was one at the last terrible one I had, I had one at the third wheel and there was just a really drunk white lady, like in the middle, in the middle of the audience. So like everyone's, you know, it's a tiny little corner, yeah. right? And like yeah. everyone, is just sort of like dressed around her and her husband and oh. she's like perfectly in the light and just would not stop like the host and the two comics before me like really really laying it on and wow uh i got up there and i don't know i i called her a honky which was not something i planned to do which <laughs> the audience really seemed to enjoy and you know and then we all clapped as she got up and left you know and yeah. like it wasn't, yeah. it was an awful set. And I, I barely did any material. Most of it was just me being rude to her to like, yeah, just like yeah. hyena cackling. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's yeah, not yeah. what I want to be doing. Like people think that right. that's what like, I don't take like pleasure in that. Like I'd rather tell my jokes. Exactly. We would all rather be telling our fucking jokes rather than yeah. laying in on some guy or some lady who can't keep their shit together. That's the thing. Like we don't, mm-hmm. we don't, I mean, we enjoy it in that like, okay, we're getting our, you know, vengeance now but we don't enjoy it as it's not what we showed up for right like no 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 no. (laughs) people think they're helping people think that people are like man i had to give you a challenge it's like what are you why are you like just coming in here and light my house on fire like you don't need to give me this it's challenging (laughs) it's incredibly challenging without you throwing a monkey wrench at me (laughs) the third row i know they always say that they're like i'm helping you i'm helping you and it's like oh wow like Okay, I appreciate that you're trying to help, but like, you know, yeah, it's that's yeah. a common one. That's almost always the case. They always think that they're helping, and it's like, do you think know. they decide that after like it hasn't gone well? Like if these people show up at shows, and I think they're they're convinced because like a part of the adventure for them yeah. is like, oh my god, are we gonna heckle the comedian? Like they think that that's like something you're supposed to do. You know, yeah, it's no. it's like it's the it's the 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 cowardly man's version of streaking at a baseball game. Yeah. It's something you yeah. know, it just it disrupts the situation. Uh, no, and... I don't think it's that malicious. I think they genuinely think that they're part of the fun. They genuinely think that they're part of the show. They genuinely yeah. think that they are helping the comedy. They think they're contributing to the show and it's quality somehow that's what they genuinely think they think it's quality they think they're adding something that's they the, think that's they're the, adding something the they, think they're, they think they're part of it and it's yeah. like it's like a need to be a part of it and that's where that that that's where annoying people come from they come from this place of need of wanting to insert themselves in places that they have no business inserting themselves into mm-hmm. because they don't have their own thing going that is giving them that satisfaction and that that sense of home and that's when people do that and that's where you know like you get drunk and then you let that shit loose and then that's you end up being that person and i don't think they ultimately want to 
be a shit stain on your rug, even though that is what they're being. They don't. That's what they become. <laughs> initially, they don't see themselves as that way. They want to be you. They're like, can I be you without exactly. the work and the sacrifices and the attention and effort? Like, <laughs> you know, can I be? Can I, but can I just be you though? You look cool right now. Everyone likes you. Look, wow! Exactly. Look at all these people that love you. Exactly. Can I be you? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was at a I was at a show like I wasn't performing. I was there to watch. I was watching Jim Jeffries mm-hmm. perform live in Seoul, wow, okay. Korea. In Seoul, <laughs> Korea. How was he doing? It was a crowd of expats, okay? Uh-huh. So, like, the most, um, how do I, I don't want to say, I don't want to sound too mean, but whatever. Like, they, <laughs> like the most uh, self-righteous, like, the most self-righteous white people live in, oh, wow. live in East Asia to teach English. And like they've been there, they've they've been there to a certain point where they just think yeah. like they rule the world. Interesting. And the, these are usually people who were like janitors in America. Not always, but a lot wow. of them were like, you know, really like bottom of the barrel kinds of people who like didn't really have anything else going for them. So they moved mm-hmm. to Asia where their language ability even though they they probably like, you know, misspell your and your all the time because of right. their language ability and their race, they go to Asia and then they're an asset because of the language ability. And so their their brains are kind of like a little a little weird at this point because they've been just getting their way no matter mm. what in Asia. During the Jim Jeff- during the Jim Jeffrey show, these white people would not would not stop heckling. I'm not talking one or two people. I'm talking like many, many, many people all throughout the show, in, starting with this opener, like his opener was dealing with hecklers. And then Jim Jeffries gets on stage, heckling, 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 heckling. Jim Jeffries had a bottle of vodka that he was like, you know, because he drinks sometimes on stage and he left the vodka on the edge of the stage. A white guy got up, walked to stage, grabbed the bottle, took a swig from it, and then sat back down. And That's like a story for him. That's the thing. It's like he gets to go home and be like, oh, my God, you wouldn't – it was crazy. (laughs) I drank out of Jeffrey's bottle. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) But that's like – that's obviously no way to behave, you know. And then yeah, Jim Jeffries, Jim Jeffries was like just kind of like stunned at it. But then he goes, "What the fuck are you doing over there?" He's pointing at the security guard, like standing there, just yeah. letting it happen, like watching this all happen. Anyway, they, you know, and Jim Jeffries says story, like long form storytelling mode, right? right so if right. you interrupt his set, he's not going to be able to do his like you know callbacks and his full circle, yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. his closer is just like botched so what he did was he just did an old closer from like 10 years ago that people Mm -hmm. fans of his probably already know and that's a big fuck you to the audience because what do we go go to see a headliner for we go to see his closer we go to see Mm -hmm. you know like see her closer like that's the best that's like the the nice truffle dessert that you get at the end of the meal and he was just like well i you know, I can't do my closer because you've been butchering my set the whole hour and a half. So I'm just going to do this. It was a shit show. Oh, my God. Yeah. 
You say you say white people. Do you mean Americans or are they like from Welsh, all over? You know? From all over, like <laughs> and, Canada, and they're all equally like interesting. Canada, Australia, like Scotland, like there are a lot of different white people that flock over there. But mm. yeah, there there are like like uh, anthropology books that 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 linguists have published on white English teachers in East Asia. And the kinds and the kinds of like havoc that they wreak in the culture, you know, like a lot of like white English male teachers will go there and like start having sex with their female students. You know, some of them will deliberately go to do precisely that. You know, like there's I've heard that I've heard that before. It's it's a sentiment that like white guys have expressed. Uh, And I remember thinking this is a really strange way to like if it's a strange reason to travel, but like it's something like, <laughs> oh man, uh, you know, you know, you go to places like Japan, like the guys there, they're, they're just not interested in the women, but they're like the most beautiful women and they're just trying to get laid and I could just oh, go there God. and like give them dick. Like, <laughs> it's, like it's, just, it's really like, I mean, it's, it's a nice place too. Like, I understand <laughs> like you can't just go somewhere just to get laid. Like, what are you fucking? Like, have you and seen the know. country and what they do? Like, <laughs> have you seen their, I mean, have you tried get their it. food? Like, have you seen their I get it. I feel like there's there is a like a sentiment in like in like really traditional Asian communities where it's like oh like a, like a white guy's like you know like a decorated you know what I mean this golden prince from overseas right and these guys know that and like back home they get treated like shit because they have nothing to contribute and they're mediocre as fuck but like like you said their whiteness goes like the 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 the, the market value of their whiteness goes much further in Asia and I think they That's know that yeah and exactly like they're able to leverage that to achieve this like sexually lavish lifestyle that they can't quite arrive at here because you know like the people know they're bullshit <laughs> people are aware and it's uh it's also like what's sinister about the whole thing is that uh colonization is what made that possible like they think yeah. that that's just a given like as if asians actually really do admire them and it's like no they don't it's like it's all cultural. You don't think you don't think that's a part of the a population? Yeah, I mean, obviously, you know, it comes from like a really fucked up place. But I do think that there's like, especially, I mean, I don't know. I guess I can't speak for all Asians, but there is a subset of the population in Indian communities that's like, oh, like, oh, oh, she got a white guy. You know what I mean? Like, it's even if it's one of those situations where it's obviously like a like a dude that like came over to like, yeah, take but you have to, of, you like, have to look at why. Money. But you have to look at why that white person is being celebrated. It has nothing right. to do it's with not who for he healthy is. Healthy reason, as, yeah. It's not. It's not. It's not. It has nothing to do with who he is as a person at all. It has to do with his whiteness and his social currency and his potential actual capital currency. White people mm. equal money. That's what they equal in Asia. They don't equal anything else. And white people equal fear in Asia. Militarism, colonization, death. So it's Ooh, like coerced yeah. kind of admiration, and that's not admiration at all. That's fear. That's mm-hmm. uh, that's lust after capital. There is mm-hmm. no love there, ultimately, you know. And it's like, oh, okay. If you as a white guy feel satisfied being used in this way, I mean, you think you think you're going there and using these women for you know sexual fodder. It's like, well, yeah. this culture, this whole nation is actually using you up just as much, based on how your your people were treating this whole entire continent. So 
do it up. But it's and they like, deserve it. That's the thing. Yeah, it's yeah. like you guys serve the same thing that you were going after, you know, and it it's doesn't feel awesome when it happens to you. It's mutually exploitative, you know. And so yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah, it, yeah. It, just, it gets murky for me. And in any case, yeah, I, I felt for Jim Jeffries that day watching him get heckled for yeah. that long, for that much. It was a Please nightmare. tell me the Koreans in the audience were incredibly polite and that they laughed and they just wanted to yeah. hear the jokes. And... Yeah, like they, <laughs> good, you know, good. Like, like, I, like I, I was there as a Korean-American audience, but, you know, but I'm also yeah. a comic and I'm just like, I know how to behave, which is just laugh. You don't talk yes. to them. You don't yell he, things out. Looking... He's also, I mean, he's a particularly inflammatory comedian too. Like, I feel like people, exactly. you know, because he, he says things that that cause an emotional reaction. So people, I think, yeah. are more, like, you know, readily anxious to, like, snap back or, like, say, and then I told sure. Jim Jeffrey, you know what I mean? Again, it's all a fucking story. Like, especially for someone at that level, like, if they knew who he was. So that yeah. means, you know, if they bought the tickets, they probably looked yeah. him up on YouTube. And, of course, they're yeah. going to find, like, huge videos of like theaters and stuff like that yeah they you know like a part of it i think is like you know with that guy he he thinks he can say whatever he wants because he's famous but you know right that doesn't mean that he gets to come where i live and you know what i mean it's, it just comes from that i think what you're talking about is this this sort of like vaguely unearned entitlement <laughs> to for for everything to work out exactly the way you'd like mm-hmm mm-hmm yeah i almost admire it i almost admire it i'm almost like i wish oh, i yeah. had that that amount of like self-confidence and yeah you know. if you can believe in yourself that much you're capable of anything it's, that's why anytime, <laughs> exactly you know it's like it's like a white home anytime i see a white homeless person i'm like you're just down aren't you like, you just gotta you know some there's nothing you're just you're just a little bummed out come on get it come on cheer up <laughs> having a bad day you know i know that people's circumstances can be different but it's like yeah, yeah, yeah. i don't know yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Okay, uh, I, I always do this on all my podcast episodes. So I ask a series of flashcard questions based on one okay. Korean drama. And then you just answer them like what you would do if you were this person in this situation. And, you know, just feel free to play with it. Nothing okay. serious. It's just... Should I should I assume the, the, uh, the I guess, uh, dispositions of a Korean drama character? Or am I myself in this situation? <laughs> Yeah, it's you, but like if you were this person in this scenario. But yeah, you maintain okay. you. Yeah, maintain gotcha. you. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay, so let's say you're a 39 year old woman named Chan Young and you're mm -hmm. an acting coach. Okay. Mm -hmm. You're really hung up on a married guy. He's actually oh. your ex boyfriend from almost 20 years ago. But when he what? went to study abroad for a few years, he impregnated some other lady and got married for sake of the child. So you guys like no longer dated, but you maintained your friendship. Okay. So you still see him pretty regularly. You guys eat together, talk about work and shit, but your best friend Mijo keeps teasing you by calling you a home wrecker, even though you've never slept with him. What do you do? Hmm. 39. Life short. Got to move on. You know, mm. Can't just yeah. can't just stay hung up on some dude. Mm -hmm. Gotta 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 move your shit forward. I'm embarrassed that it's taken her this long to arrive yeah. here. Yeah. But you know, not all journeys are alike. But I just hope she arrives at the correct destination. As I okay, would. <laughs> all right. <laughs> <laughs> okay, good, good. Okay, okay. Let's say uh, you're a different person. Your name is Mijo. You're a 39-year-old okay. dermatologist, okay? You're okay. also- I'm the friend of the last lady, yes. You're a friend gotcha. of the last lady. 
you're an adoptee, okay? So mm. you were you were raised in a very loving home, however, with an older sister and loving parents. But you continue to visit your old adoption center regularly to spend time with the kids there and, you know. The orphans. Yes. Yeah, to the other orphans, like bring them food and spend time with mm. them. During your visit, you meet a man named Sonu. He has, he used to have a younger sister who was at that orphanage. Okay. And uh, he's, he's, he's a hot guy. All right. He's a hot, you guys, he's a hot man. He's a hot guy. You, you guys hit it off. It's your first time meeting him, but he asks you to come over to spend the night with him to see if you're down to fuck. What do you do? <laughs> How hot is he? <laughs> I think, you know, if I'm, if you want an honest, I, how is it hotter than the hottest, hottest guy I've ever, ever, ever I mean, okay, been this with? Is, this is my barometer now. This is just mm -hmm. my barometer. Like on the show, they all think he's like a 10. But like for me personally, I give him like between a seven and a half to an eight. Mm -hmm. Who is a 10 for you? I feel like I need some kind of gauge. Oh, oh good. That's a good question. God, this is, <laughs> um, this is, this is hard. I mean. <sighs> someone, someone too messant. All right. Oh shit. What's his name? Okay. I have to look him up. Uh, uh. He's so fucking hot. He was in uh, Big Little Lies, and Lies. and he's the the abusive husband. Is it Scars Scarsguard? Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's yeah, his yeah, first yeah. name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That uh, guy. That guy. He's so fucking okay. hot. Okay, that guy's a ten. He's and... a ten for me. I think he's really okay. And and the dude from the the adoption facility. Oh, compared to him, I would give him like a five. <laughs> okay, so he's not that. Then you know what? This is think... my barometer. Like with, among these ladies, <laughs> okay. they think he's like a ten. Yeah. Oh, so. I I trust your judgment. Uh, but <laughs> that being that being said. Uh, I think, you know, I say, I say, Hey, you know what? That's not, it's not really how I'm busy that night is what I would say. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm busy that night. I have plans. I have plans with a friend. It's real <laughs> ambiguous. It's like, maybe, you know what? Maybe I can play some games too. Got to play these games. You're trying to get in these, these pants, you know, okay. this, is this is Korean drama. I got to keep things spicy. This is kimchi yeah. shit. Yeah. 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 Like maintain the tension. Okay. Okay. Got yes, it. Got it. Got yes, it. exactly. All right. All right. So you're you're this dermatologist <laughs> lady again. You're, you're Mijo again, okay? You're okay, at your okay. clinic. You're at your clinic waiting for another dermatologist to join your offices. Like this has been in the works, it's been in the plan. So the person mm -hmm. finally arrives and you see that it's that man you had a one night stand with. What do you do? <gasps> Wait, so she does she does have a one night stand with him. Okay. Thank nice. You, you know what? <laughs> Still feel like things worked out. <laughs> and he shows up and he's now a patient. No, he's a dermatologist. Uh, he... Oh, he's, he's a, a dermatologist. Colleague. Oh, yeah. well, I guess you, uh, you you try not to say anything. You just got to be like, it's a professional work environment. You got to keep it on the low. Like you go up and you're like, hey, listen, like, I know that was like something that happened, but I just want to be cool. You know, I'm not trying to like, you know, trying to trying to get get your get your business out there. And I'd appreciate it if you didn't do the same. I'd be like, okay, come on. Like, I didn't know you were a dermatologist then. Let's just be cool about it. Okay. Wow. All right. All right. All right. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. 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 
yeah, I mean, that's because, that was, a, because that was a one night stand. That was like a hookup thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay, yeah, good, yeah, good. Yeah, Boundaries. Yeah. All right. Okay. Boundaries. So now you're a different person. Your name is Chihan. You're a 39 year old woman who works at a department store as a as a cosmetic director like, manager. Can I ask you? What? Is this like yeah. Korean Sex in the City? Like, is that this show? Like, is that's how it sounds? It's like they're all yeah. 39 years old. Yeah, yeah, I know the yeah, women yeah. on the show are not that old, but maybe they yeah, are yeah. now. I don't know. No, but, <laughs> they're all 39, small. and they're just like, you know, <laughs> and just very like similar. that. Like, <laughs> yeah, 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 very similar. I yeah. hooked up with them. Okay, yeah. wonderful, wonderful. Okay, yeah. okay. So tell me, tell me more about this one. Okay, so she's she works at a department store. She manages okay. a cosmetics counter, okay? So okay. that's who you are. You're at work mm -hmm. and a female customer is being extremely rude to you, demanding that you accept a return even though she does not have the receipt. So you ask uh -huh. her to please check her purse again and she takes out a handful of receipts and just throws them on the floor and says, you find it. So uh. <laughs> you, 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 okay, you, you're, still, you're still maintaining your composure you go down, you find the correct receipt, and you explain that you can refund, but you bought this during a sale, so you're going to get the that sale price back, whatever sale price she paid. And she says, no, yeah. she wants the full price, even because the sale is now over. Yeah, she's being extremely rude, and she's also being unreasonable, and she's screaming mm -hmm. at you and being very impolite. What do you do? Is there like a security guard or somebody? Right, not, can, like, not, as, of over? not as okay, of now. Not as of now. Okay. It's just the uh, two of you for now. I don't. I don't thrive in a customer service environment. Uh, it's not. It's. It was never the world for me. Uh, <laughs> so you know what? I don't think I'd handle it in a very responsible way. Mm. Uh, I would. I would tear up her receipt and. <laughs> And be like, oh, I'm sorry. I guess, I guess I can't prove that you bought it now. So you can either leave it, or I can call the cops for you trying to steal. But this is ours. I just take the thing. She yeah. goes, okay, next. Sorry. <laughs> Do <Deuces>. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Serve her, her just desserts. Be just as unreasonable yeah. back. Okay. She's okay. Like, good, she's good. already yelling at me. She's gonna yell at me more. Oh yeah. no! Like it's. I'm okay. already living in that world. Like, <laughs> what right, else are right. you gonna do? To me? Yeah. Let's keep going. I get it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Great. All right. Let's say uh, you're Chan Young again. You're that first lady, the acting coach. Um, okay. You're told that you have stage four pancreatic cancer and your chance of survival is like 0.8%. Oh, God damn. <laughs> what what kind of show is this? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, there's there was so much whimsy in my mind up until this. This is just like is this is this the first episode that happens? It's pretty early on. Yeah, it's oh like oh my god, it's like shocking. Yeah, stage four pancreas. I start smoking cigarettes. I, I I would go. I would I would get a pack of cigarettes and I'd start smoking. Mm. Yeah, mm. and uh, and then mm. and then selling yeah, just selling stuff and buying plane tickets. Fuck fuck it like mm. what kind of news is that what kind of weird shit is that to share with somebody i would Man. spend every penny and smoke cigarettes every day yeah okay yeah fucking yeah. yeah go all the way take it to the extreme got it okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Right, now, does she now... survive 
Uh, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna. You can't say. Okay. I can't confirm nor deny that right now. Okay. Right. I mean, but it's stage four. I mean, come on. It's pancreatic cancer. Serious. Like, that's the. Is that what Steve Jobs had? Right. Death sentence, basically. Yeah. 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 Okay. And stage four. My God. Yeah. All right. Let's say you're a man named Jin Seok, and you're you're the okay. married man that Chan Young, that Chan Young used to date years ago. Okay. Treachery. Okay. Yeah. So you and your wife have been having problems for years now because you found out a few years ago that the boy you call your son is actually not yours. Your oh. wife lied to you in order to marry you, even though she was carrying some other man's child, and you were always in love with Chan Young, and she is now dying of pancreatic cancer. What do you do? I think it's time to get with the old flame. You know, <laughs> I think it's hard to say, but um, at some point, it's like you can you can love a child, but you also got to take care of you. Life's short, thirty nine years old. You know, damn, who knows what can happen? Pancreatic cancer, especially, you know, with that situation. Like, I don't know. It sounds like he's in a pretty thankless place anyway. Like romantically, like what's a little. It's a little treachery. Yeah, <laughs> at this yeah. point, forgivable. Okay, I'd understand. Could... I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't be stoked on it, but I'd be like, man, like he had to do what was what was right for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You gotta live your life. Gotta okay, live your life. Final question. It's not. It's not yes. intense. This one. It's not intense. All right. Let's say you're Sonu. You're that guy that had a one night stand with that Mijo dermatologist lady. Okay. Okay. Uh, I'm also a dermatologist. You're also a dermatologist. You're both dermatologists gotcha. and y'all are boning. Okay. You guys are dating. Oh, All right. You nice. guys have. <laughs> Again, are... it's, that's a, that's a, that's a good way to go too. You know, if there's more boning involved and it sounds like there is, can't, what are you going to com stop complaining? <laughs> yeah. Everything is going your way. Yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Good. So you guys are dating. <laughs> you guys are dating. Yes. You plan a whole camping trip for your girlfriend, Mijo, and you guys are on the road. You're driving to the campsite, but she gets a phone mm. call from one of her besties who says she suddenly quit her job and blah, oh. blah, blah. Whoa. And now Mijo looks really worried in the passenger seat. What do you do? Go down on her. Uh, I think <laughs> it's a pretty good place to start, you know, <laughs> I think. She's gonna be mad at me, like <laughs> she's not going down on her. Like, <laughs> yeah, when in doubt, go down on her. <laughs> it's it never hurts. It never hurts if you're if you're in a in a fight. Just you know, never it never hurts. It never it's never set anyone back to go down on yeah. go down on their girlfriend. <laughs> that's the, that's the full that's the full T-shirt. Like when in doubt, go down on her. It never hurts. Yeah, it's, it's three. Yeah, it's a hype. It's going to be my merch. It's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to tell this joke and then, uh, yeah, and then be like, okay, I'm going to sell shirts. <laughs> if you didn't see me walk in with an enormous suitcase, that's what it's in there. It's full of shirts. It's, yeah, I have three sizes. Yeah, yeah. I have a lot of larges. People aren't buying them. <laughs> So if you're okay with a slightly bigger shirt, you know, I'll give you a discount, man. Yeah. The fucking nickel and diamond with the shirt sales. Ugh, fucking shirts. Yeah. All right, bro. This is, this is super fun. Thank you for doing this. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. I had fun.